You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. You know, the hard part about this is that there's two, well, there's two competing things that are going on. Let me put it this way. There are two very different polarized kinds of fans. And both of those things are bouncing around in my head. Um, the two kinds of fans are very, very simple. One is this team sucks. The other is it's week one. It doesn't matter. I think both of those are somewhat inaccurate takes. I think they both oversimplify things. Acting as though it's fine and it doesn't matter is nonsense. We showed up with the intention of winning and we did not. They put in weeks of effort to try to get to this point and win this game. This is a divisional matchup. This is a major opponent of ours. This is maybe our chief rival this season. To act as though it's week one and it doesn't matter is nonsense. To act as though we didn't learn anything from last year that week one isn't necessarily what's going to happen for the rest of the season is also nonsense. So there's overreaction and underreaction are the only two possible reactions. And again, both of them are going through my mind. So if I sound bipolar in this episode, you're going to have to just accept it for what it is. Because if I do this show correctly, what should happen is I rant very angrily about how garbage this was. And then at the exact same time, tell you about how many great things there were and that you shouldn't overreact. Because believe it or not, both of those things are true. There's so much more nuance to everything than anybody wants to give it credit for. And I, w- I want to give you one example that I just lost on Twitter, but I'm going to find it here just, just to give you an example. I just saw this on Twitter and it's just one, one piece of a much larger puzzle. Um, this is Sam Holman on Twitter. He says, people need to realize that the only way to have Jair shadow JJ, Justin Jefferson, is to have him in man coverage on every snap. Any defensive coordinator who plays that much man is going to be killed with mesh routes, over routes, and rub concepts. The comments are seething. And the reason they're seething is because as fans, through the entire game, we try to massively oversimplify things. Justin Jefferson beats Eric Stokes. You idiot, why is Eric Stokes over there? We have to be smart enough to recognize, first of all, that nothing is that simple. We've all heard the term man-beater, right? It's a very simple concept that you use when they're sticking in man. If you see the defense isn't man and you call this, somebody's going to get open on it because you can't just play man across the board. And you severely limit your options if you say Justin Jefferson is going to be manned up by Jair all day long. Now, in hindsight, had we done that, maybe there would have been less damage, even though they'd be killing us on a bunch of stuff underneath. Maybe that's better than getting gashed over the top. But the additional problem to that is we were getting killed because of miscommunication. It wasn't like... It wasn't even a scheme issue. For all we know, had the Packers executed things properly, 
Justin Jefferson wouldn't have done anything wrong, which means Joe Barry didn't necessarily do anything wrong whatsoever. It's a lack of um, communication, execution. And so why limit your, and, and again, this is just one example, but why limit your defense? If you have the ability to do a lot of different, and, and everything has, there's cause and effect to everything. If Jair, if Jair is in man coverage, that has ripple effects throughout the rest of the defense and limits what everybody else is able to do. When you have a defense this good, theoretically, you shouldn't have to be limited. Now, Sam does go on to say, you know, maybe they should have played more of it. I don't know. The point is there is no magical coverage to solve all the problems of good, uh, that a good offense can create. And the thing is, we know this. Everybody wants to go in there and scream at Sam as though you don't know that this is true. I get that you're mad, but you know what he's saying is true. You know that. This is basic. You know, even even with me, I'm ranting about running the ball, and I think we should have run the ball more, but oversimplifying it as though had we just done this, we would have won. Had Christian Watson just not dropped it, we would have won. If, if this one thing, if, if we would have just changed, you know, that's the other... We can't act like Aaron Rodgers and these coaches are stupid and we're smart. I'm not saying that there aren't coaches doing stupid stuff. And, and, and I think, to be honest, I don't think any of them are stupid, but I do think maybe they overthink things, right? Maybe overanalyze, maybe a little bit underanalyze. I don't know. But if it sounds too simple, it probably is. And so, you know, yeah, this, this game, it sucked. And had we done things differently, maybe we could have won. But let's be honest, this, this, this was pretty disjointed. To say that special teams was the best phase might not be inaccurate. So like most things, ha- at least half the time when I'm yelling at you, I'm yelling at myself too. And I'm, I'm doing this to remind myself as I go in and start screaming about how stupid the Packers were to hopefully plant a seed in the back of my head to say, let's not oversimplify things. So we, before we go too much in, let's just summarize quickly what exactly happened. Green Bay Packers lost to the Minnesota Vikings 23-7. First note, 23 points is not a lot of points. Just going to throw that out there. I know it feels like they scored 40 points against us, but they scored 23. I think there were two teams that scored less points in one so far, which is to say it's one of the lowest scoring victories of the week. So as mad as we want to get about the Packers and Joe Barry's a failure and the DBs suck and the safeties suck and everybody sucks... 23 points against what is supposedly the most high-powered offense in football, including blown coverages and Justin Jefferson having, you know, nine receptions for 184 yards and two touchdowns, his longest being 64 yards. I mean, again, you take away the two blown coverages, what did they do all day? Dalvin Cook had a pretty good day, 20 carries, 90 yards. What is that, four and a half? Yeah, four and a half yards a carry. That's decent. That's what A.J. Dillon had. Aaron Jones had like 10, but, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Thielen, four targets, three receptions, 36 yards, was in second place on the team. So, you know, go back and just take things away. That's not how that works. But if the Packers' defense didn't have ridiculous miscommunications and Justin Jefferson isn't running wide open, he might have seven touches for 100 yards and a touchdown or something. I have no idea. But it's a very different game. It really is. And and I think, see, I'm not supposed to dive in, but it's so hard to just, like, let's just go over the stats. I said this on Packernet After Dark, but I, I, I think the biggest difference here is the, the minor details. The Packers are not ready to play football today. And, and again, I'm not going to give them the out of the preseason. The Vikings didn't play in the preseason either. They showed up ready to play. Now, that's not to say that had they played, they wouldn't have been better. Maybe they would have. That's just simply to say that's a garbage excuse because the Vikings proved you don't need to play your starters to be ready. Why aren't you ready? I'm just, I'm not giving you that excuse. That's a lame excuse. Beyond that, 
one of the worst performing units on this team was the offensive line. They all played in the preseason. The wide receivers played in the preseason. Watson didn't, but Rodgers did not. I thought he looked perfectly fine. His passes were on target. Everything was fine. The running backs did not play in the preseason. They were phenomenal. So again, I think it's just a lame excuse. I really think it's a lame excuse. Preston didn't play. He looked great. Kenny didn't play. He looked great. Rashawn didn't play. I thought he looked pretty good. The, the guys who did play, the pass rushers, not good at all. But the point is, they just did not look ready to play, and the Vikings did, and that made the biggest difference. So when, when they needed that clutch play, you know, you've got the Packers doing something stupid. You know, miscommunication, guy ran a wrong route. You know, Tanyan, I know, got screamed at at one point. They got a, a guy that was supposed to be blocking. It's simple, stupid little things that made major differences. You know, if Watson catches it, if they scored on that fourth down play down at the goal line, you know, if, if they didn't have miscommunications on defense. And I know it's all joking over here. I know it's all ifs, but the the the, the negative is, again, this is the negative and the positive. And, and last year there wasn't a positive, it was just negative. This year there's a negative and a positive. The negative is, again, they show up not ready to play. Just like after the bye week, don't expect them to show up ready to play. Just like in the playoffs, don't expect them to show up ready to play. I don't know what that is. I don't know why that's happening. But the positive is we saw everything look beautiful. It just wasn't consistent. The offensive line was terrible, but they showed some real fortitude, especially my man Zach Tom, you know. <laughs> we'll see when the grades and stats come out. Maybe it was maybe maybe it wasn't as good as it looked, but I know when he when he started off, it looked pretty sweet. It's crazy to think, and, and John Runyon might be out anyways with an injury, but it's crazy to think he he may have if he had a lights-out performance, he may have just won that job. I, it's hard to believe because they love Runyon a lot. But they're also terrified of their offensive line because they know that the guys are not that good. And it's not just Hanson and Royce. That's not true. They know they have some issues. And if they have a real legit upgrade, let's not pretend that um, John Runyon is, is like the next coming of Elton Jenkins or Josh Sitton or something. I think they like him a lot, but I also think he, he can be replaceable. Anyways, I keep going on these tangents. I don't even know where... Oh, the... the So the offensive line showed glimmer. The wide receivers. And say what you want and talk about the stats and all that stuff, but when when Aaron Rodgers says, we haven't had a guy like Christian Watson in a while, we saw that on the very first play of the game. I know he dropped it. But when is the last time you saw a guy sail by DBs like they were standing still? I don't remember. What, Jordy? And even that was... Even with Jordy, it was mostly that uh, that that long speed, you know? Like, he, he was stride for stride, and then slowly he'd, he'd get a little bit of separation, a little bit. Christian Watson flew past him. You'd have swore that DB was running backwards for some reason. And I understand he dropped it, and he's got drop issues, and that's a concern. But if he's going to keep running by guys this year, and that's just one facet. Again, the offensive line will be better. The wide receivers all will continue to improve. Dobbs, Watkins, Lazard will be back. Onion will improve. All these guys are going to get better. But we've got a guy right now today, and we even said this, that worst case scenario is Christian Watson is, is MVS day one. I'm sorry. MVS can't do that. MVS never did that. I'm not saying he never got past guys, but every play that I can remember of MVS, he barely had a step on a guy. He, he, he'd get past him, but it, it took a really good pass from Aaron Rodgers most of the time, and that DB was pretty close to being in his hip pocket. When we think of like speed, speed, we usually picture guys that can fly by people, but we haven't had that. You know, we thought Jeff Janis was fast. We thought Trevor Davis was fast. MVS came in. He was going to be the blazing speed guy. He didn't really blow by, by people. I'm, I'm just saying, man, and maybe that DB just was not paying attention and he was sleeping or whatever. And I, you know, 
Who knows? But I'll tell you what, I, I, I feel like I saw that several times. But Rodgers just didn't have the... First of all, he didn't want to look at him again. And second of all, the offensive line contis- consistently was giving up pressure so that he couldn't even get his eyes up before he needed to, needed to break the pocket. I think if we can have a better performance from the offensive line and give him time to be able to go through his progressions and look and see, and again, just to have a guy that can do it so that they have no choice but to bring help over the top because that DB can't hang. And you know what the other exciting thing is? You start getting that Tyreek Hill. I'm not necessarily saying he's exactly Tyreek Hill speed, but the benefit of Tyreek Hill that makes him absolutely impossible to stop is the only way that these guys could play Tyreek is to play 10 yards off. And then what do you do? You just throw it to Tyreek, and he picks up an easy six every time. And then if you try to man him up so he can't do that, he flies right past you. So if we can just have a guy like that that can challenge, but let's not forget, Romeo Dobbs can do it too. And you, you know, if you just talk about, well, you just got the safeties over the top so they can take that away. Okay, well, then the safeties can't really help much by the line of scrimmage, can they? Or in the middle of the field. And I'm really sorry that I'm all over the place, but I, I, I'm just looking at this. <laughs> Christian Watson, we're talking about Christian Watson's speed, right? I don't know what his speed was on that play that he dropped. Christian Watson had a uh, seven-yard rush. It was the fourth fastest recorded play by next gen stats so far, twenty point eight two miles an hour. He didn't even do anything. <laughs> I'm trying to find a video of it on Twitter. Nobody, everybody just wants to show the deep shot. Fastest ball carriers of the week. Christian Watson is fourth. Chase Claypool, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, and then Christian Watson. And again, a lot of these are usually big rushes, like the Saquon Barkley, twenty one point one one miles an hour. Right? It was a sixty eight yard run. So he got up to top speed. Joe Mixon, thirty one yard run. Chase Claypool was only 12 yards, but you think Christian Watson was able to get up to speed at seven yards? I'm guessing if he if that was a 30, 40, 50 yard run, we would have seen a little bit north of 20.82 miles an hour. I know 28.82 isn't exactly that great, but again, this is a seven yard run play. I can't wait to catch to see him catch one of these 50 yarders so that we can see next gen stats is 22 and a half miles an hour. Somebody had to have posted that, right? I guess nobody cares about his one uh, one play there. All right, let's get through this. Uh, 23-7 Vikings. Rodgers, 22 of 34, 195 yards and a pick. That is horrific stat line for Rodgers. Again, I don't think he had that bad of a night as far as like pass accuracy. I'm a little upset that the guy refused to throw the ball away. I don't know why he just hung onto the ball all day long, took all those sacks, but whatever. Overall, I've seen much worse performances from Aaron Rodgers. Stat lines, not many, but much worse performances. Jordan Love, for those that feel like causing controversy, four of five, 65 yards. If you feel like, uh, you know, really making people mad, just go on Twitter and say Jordan Love was better than Aaron Rodgers in this game. Oh, it's going to be fun. Aaron Jones, this is, this is where I'm going to try to just say it and not really get into it, but Aaron Jones, five attempts, 49 yards. The dude had almost 10 yards per carry, touched the ball five times. A.J. Dillon, 10 carries, 45 yards, 4.5 yards per attempt. Still just 10 carries. That should have been doubled for both of them, at least. 20 carries for A.J. Dillon, 10 for Aaron Jones. Probably should have been more for Jones, but I'm just saying, at a minimum, minimum, 30 carries in this game. And this is my frustration. And again, I already said this on Packernet After Dark. The most obvious thing for everybody to see if you asked a viking fan what are you nervous about they're going to say our run defense if you talk about the strength of this team especially with the question mark at wide receiver it's the running back 
So the the glaring concern is, man, if the Packers are able to run the ball, we're going to be in trouble. They come into the game and they are dominant, dominant on the ground, and they don't run the ball. This feels like Mike McCarthy 2018 garbage, right? Aaron Jones getting like five yards, five and a half yards per carry, six, seven yards, whatever it is, and he touches the ball 12 times. But even Mike McCarthy gave Aaron Jones the ball 12 times. Aaron Jones got the ball five times in this game. Five. Come on, guys. Now, I don't know if this is the game plan or if this is about um, Aaron Rodgers changing the play at the line of scrimmage. Like I said last night, I, I can't imagine they came into this game saying, forget running, let's pass the ball a lot. And then as the game progressed and running the ball is working and passing is not, they're like, you know what, let's stick with it and see how it goes. I can't imagine that. It makes a lot more sense to me to assume that the plan was to come in and run the ball and we just didn't really do it. But I don't, you know, whatever. Here's here's the thing, though. And again, I'm getting off the stats. Man, I am, <laughs> I'm trying to stay angry about this running back thing, but I keep taking breaks and looking at different things about Christian Watson, and I have chills all over my body. But I'm going to save that for a little bit later. <laughs> you ever get chills so intense you get teary-eyed? That's what I got right now, just looking at some of this Christian Watson stuff. I... I think he's going to be special, man. I uh, We'll get to that, though. In addition, Romeo Dobbs carried once for 11. Christian Watson had seven. Aaron Rodgers, minus one. Don't need to worry about that. Receiving. Most targets was A.J. Dillon. Six targets, five receptions, 46 yards. He had the most targets, receptions, and yards. That was about the only thing I got right on my betting was they had like, I think it was like 14 receiving yards for A.J. Dillon. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and take the over on that one. Uh, Romeo Dobbs and Robert Tunyon each had five. Dobbs was five car- uh, targets, four receptions, 37 yards. Tunyon, 5'3", 36. Christian Watson actually, oh, you know what, Aaron Jones, 5'3", 27. Christian Watson, four targets, two receptions, 34 yards. DeGuara, two targets, two receptions, 28 yards. Sammy, three targets, three receptions, 18 yards. Cobb, 3'2", 14. Winfrey, 1'1", 17. And our buddy Davis, one target, one reception, three yards. Defense, um, Quay Walker led the team in tackles. I haven't looked for an update on him. I'm kind of scared to. Uh, I know he injured his shoulder. And then we looked at, look, Chris Barnes had a very severe leg injury. I saw they put a, a cast on him and, and carted him off the field, so I hope he's doing okay. But as of right now, it really looks like we're, we've got um, McDuffie starting for us, which is, you know, I mean, I, well, we'll leave it alone. Um, but anyways, uh, sacks, Rashawn Gary registered one, and that's all we've got for the day. I know there were several guys that made a bigger impact, but that's the only one that I guess registered here. Um, interceptions, none forced fumbles, none. So not exactly what you'd hope from the defense, but again, there were, there were certainly flashes, just not enough. You know, the, the, the pressures were there, but every time the pressure got there, there was no coverage. And so there's a guy wide out, you know, Dean Lowry cut. Dean Lowry on a play came free, completely unblocked, and didn't get to the quarterback before he got the ball out of his hands, and they completed a you know, sizable passing play. I mean, stuff like that annoys me to no end. We're going to get a sack if you can cover for 0.5 seconds, and they can't do it. It just, it makes me insane. Anyways, why don't we take a break here, because I'm stressing about the break, and I just want to get it over with so we can just keep going. PristineAuction.com, head over to Pristine Auction, see what they got, man. They got some really cool stuff, but... Even if you're not really in the market for buying anything, you need to go to pristineauction.com. You click on register, you go to the registration code, put in FAVRE, F-A-V-R-E, and you are already set up and ready to win a signed Lombardi trophy. It's a replica. A signed Lombardi trophy signed by Jordy Nelson himself. 
It's seriously going to take you three minutes to go do that. So please head over there and register. Use promo code FARV so they know that the Packernet podcast sent you over. And you're going to be set up. And they're also going to give you 10 bucks off if you decide to bid on anything and win. PristineAuction.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so let's um, let's do a couple things here. First of all, I want to look at PFF. They got a couple things up uh, right out of the gate. First things first, and I'm going to try not to launch directly into the uh, Christian Watson thing, but we, we can't really avoid it because he's everywhere. It doesn't seem like it. It's like he had almost no impact, but pretty much everything we're going to talk about, Christian Watson is uh, glaringly um, obvious. Snap counts, week one. Now, if you came into this and said, who's going to get the most snaps at receiver? Sammy Watkins would be probably number one. Then I would assume it's probably Randall Cobb. Eh, maybe not Randall because he's a, you know, if you had two running backs or two wide receivers or whatever, but Romeo Dobbs, Randall Cobb. And then it's kind of, for me anyways, it was, it was maybe Juwan or Christian Watson, depending on how comfortable they are with Christian hardly playing at all. I didn't know if he'd get that many opportunities because again, he, he hasn't hardly practiced. Sammy Watkins had 41 snaps. Christian Watson had 40 Randall Cobb, 37. Romeo Dobbs, 35. Christian Watson outsnapped Romeo Dobbs. That's shocking to me. I expected it at some point. And it's not just based on how good Romeo Dobbs has been in camp. I mean, that, that's only part of it. It's, again, it's the fact that Christian Watson hasn't done anything yet. Why would they do that? Here's the thing that I've said about it. The reason I want Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson to play a lot isn't just because I think they're special. It's based on how I know the Packers operate. The Packers are not going to put you out there unless they think you can produce, if they think you're ready. They're not putting Dobbs and Watson out there, especially with this many snap counts, unless they think they're special. And the fact that Christian Watson outsnapped everybody except Sammy Watkins, and by the way, 
If you look at routes run, let's run it from the opposite perspective here. Jawan Winfrey ran nine routes. Romeo Dobbs ran 25 routes. Randall Cobb ran 27 routes. Sammy Watkins ran 28. Christian Watson ran 29. Christian Watson was essentially the number one wide receiver, having taken zero snaps in training camp. The, listen, the reason I'm, I'm over-explaining this is because fans look at it and go, well, duh, he's better than... The, but we know the Packers don't operate that way. They don't do that. A.J. Dillon was a very good running back. They didn't put him on the field. Now, granted, he, you know, they, they had at least one capable back. But remember, he was always better than Jamal. They didn't put him ahead of Jamal. Even when Aaron was, was injured, Jamal was number one. AJ was number two. Even after AJ Dillon shredded the Tennessee Titans, when Jamal and Aaron Jones came back, he was just gone. I'm not saying I agree with the Packers. And I just want to make it clear, this isn't my preference. People get mad at me when I'm like, uh, you know, watch out for Juwan Winfrey. Like, what's, what's your problem? I know Matt over at Packers Without Borders was real mad at me. Why do you hate the rookie so much? This isn't about me. I want Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs out there. This is just my assumption based on what the Packers have proven that they like to do. So the reason I want Christian and Romeo out there isn't because I think they're necessarily elite. It's because the Packers believe that they're elite. But to say that Christian Watson outsnapped and ran more routes than every other wide receiver on the team is staggering to me. It's absolutely staggering to me. Aaron Rodgers has, has talked at length about how much he appreciates Sammy Watkins. You know he loves Randall Cobb. They've talked about Romeo Dobbs. But Christian was the guy that was out there more than anybody else. Ran more routes than everybody. That's crazy to me. I understand that the wide receivers aren't great, so they have to do something. Yeah, of course. They, they got to play him somewhat. But it could have very easily been Sammy Watkins, you know, 41 snaps. Randall Cobb, 37. Jawan, 35. Romeo Dobbs, 32. Christian Watson, 12, you know? And that would have been, yeah, they're, they're out there more than you would expect because of the situation that they're in or whatever. They're not doing this if they don't think Christian Watson is special, period. On top of that, Christian Watson does special things for your offense, having his speed. So they wanted that out there as much as possible. I'm stunned by that. Again, depending on how you want to read this, you could say Christian Watson was the number one wide receiver, and that blows my mind. Um, some other snap counts here. Again, Jawan, uh, nine snaps, ran nine routes. Mercedes Lewis, 23. This is for the tight ends. Mercedes Lewis, 23. Tunyon, 22. Josiah, 15. Tyler Davis, 15. That also blows my mind. I, 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 I mentioned I know they love Tyler Davis, right? That's, that's clear to me as much as we may, may or may not like Tyler Davis. But I'm still stunned that they put him on. I'm not saying he did a bad job. I, I don't know. I think there was the first time I saw him on the field, I think he blew a pretty bad block. But otherwise, he might have been great. I don't know. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying... I really thought this was going to be more of a, we really like him, we really believe he can be special, but he's not there yet. So this is another thing where I'm, 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 as much as I'm annoyed by the Tyler Davis thing, there's part of me that's kind of geeked out because this follows a similar line to Watson and Dobbs. It's one thing to say, hey, we really like this guy, we're going to continue to develop him. However, Lewis 23, Tunyon 25, Josiah 20, Tyler Davis 5, if that. No, he, he matched Josiah DeGuara. Now granted, Josiah was running more routes than Tyler Davis. Tyler Davis spent more time blocking, but still, it's just, they really like the guy. And maybe they're wrong. I don't know. Maybe they're wrong about Watson. Maybe they're wrong about Dobbs. I don't know. But they are trying to tell us these guys are really good. 
And we're just paddling upstream if we're going to sit here and say, I don't think that they're going to do anything. Because the Packers are watching them and saying, we're going to have to go against convention because these guys, holy cow. And then Aaron Jones, 37 snaps. A.J. Dillon, 31. Aaron Jones, out of his 37 snaps, ran 29 routes. You want to know why he had five carries? (laughs) Because out of his 37 times on the field, 29 times he was a receiver. And we talked about this about Aaron Jones being more of that receiving back, while A.J. Dillon is more of your your pure running back. And I'm not complaining about it, but that's a staggeringly high number. Then again, when you pass the ball, you know, Aaron Jones is going to have to run routes or block or something. But obviously Aaron Jones was in there on more passing downs, and when A.J. Dillon was out there, it was more running. still works the same way. So, yeah, the the snap counts um, shocked me. I I really didn't realize that it was... I mean, I, I was surprised how much I was seeing Christian Watson for sure. And even even just with the, that's the other thing about it. Again, I'm, I guess I guess if this whole half is about Christian Watson, then I apologize. But we're we're, we're kind of to that point right now because I'm freaking out. It's not just he's the next MVS and we're, he's on the field because he runs fast and it kind of stretches out the defense. Did you see how many times they used him as a blocker or how they used him behind the line of scrimmage? They're already trusting him to do a bunch of different things. And, and maybe they put a little bit too much on his plate because, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers almost threw a pick because Christian didn't get his head around fast enough. But the, those are minor things. Those are minor tweaks. But the fact that they're asking him to do that kind of stuff, we know he has usefulness based on his speed, but his seven-yard run wasn't him running down the field. His, his receptions were not deep receptions. They were short receptions. They're trusting him to do a lot. I, I just, I, I, I've said it a thousand times. I don't need to say it again, but I'm going to. The Packers love Christian Watson. Love Christian Watson. I, I just get the impression that they are beyond enamored with this guy. And I love that with a passion. Um, PFF also has their initial, let me refresh this just in case they change any of it, but their, their initial takes on the game. Let me go through a couple of these. So we don't need to talk about Justin Jefferson because who cares? Rookie spotlight. Quay Walker made two run stops on 14 run defense snaps in the NFL debut. He was one of three Packers to earn a 70-plus initial run defense grade for the contest. Now, these grades always change, but the point is, on first glance, they really liked his run defense. And I don't know that we can necessarily argue. I'm not saying he was perfect, but man, this dude flies around the field and he hits with authority. And, and I'm going to look it up because I'm, I'm nervous, but I have to do it. If, see if he's okay. And I, can't, I can't find anything. But point is, I thought he had a great day. And, and, and let's be completely honest. I think the, uh, the linebacker duo that we have is, is pretty fantastic. And there's no question that when Quay went off the field, there was a negative impact. No question about it in my mind. No offense to whoever the backup linebackers are that we're going to have out there, McDuffie or Barnes or whatever. But um, I'm, I'm excited about it, especially for a first outing. I thought he did a, a pretty good job. Some of the tackling wasn't exactly perfect, but, you know, whatever. Offensive spotlight, offensive line spotlight. I'm only going to read this because I think it's funny. I know they won the game, but I can still laugh at him once in a while. A lot of excitement about rookie Ed Ingram, right? Rookie right guard going to come in. He's looking so good. And I mentioned to you, he's like that one of the highest graded rookies in the preseason, but it's all based on run blocking. His pass blocking is putrid. Here's what it says. Rookie guard Ed Ingram suffered five pressures, one sack, three hits, and one hurry on 33 pass blocking snaps to finish with the worst initial pass blocking grade in the game. Congratulations to your stupid rookie. Anyways, let's get into this real quick. So I already kind of talked about the first step with Christian Watson, right? That was... That was the first thing. Obviously, the next thing is the drop is what everybody remembers about Christian Watson. But what's also glaringly obvious about that play 
is how he just completely cooked the guy, right? So the point is, we only saw Christian Watson a couple times, right? Aside from a few blocks here and there, but it was the drop, which in a sense was an incredible play that was tarnished by the fact that he dropped the stupid ball, right? And and obviously that's the most important part, but if we're talking long-term evaluation, it's not the only part that matters. That's true in the game. It's not true about our overall evaluation of Christian Watson, right? Already talked about it. That's sort of what we always wanted MVS to be, but he never really was. So very impressed by that. couple other things. The guy only touched the ball a couple times, right? He had two receptions for 34 yards, and he had one carry for seven, and he had the one drop. So four plays that stick out in our mind, and I think three of them were really impressive and we just weren't paying attention. The drop was impressive for obvious reasons. Then I mentioned again his seven-yard run, which in seven yards he was able to hit a top speed of 20.82 miles an hour, which is stupid. And I apologize if I said this already. I'm getting like deja vu all over the place. But um, the other play was Christian Watson ranked 17th in what's called incredible yards after the catch. Christian Watson caught a pass. And according to Next Gen Stats, he should have been down after eight yards. He got 17 yards. You know why? Because he's a freak. He's too fast. He's too fast. He beat it. And and again, we miss this stuff. We watch it. We see a 17-yard play and we're like, hey, there you go. Nicely done. These are great plays. He's breaking tackles. He's beating guys around the edge. He's hitting top speeds that, that, again, we're just not noticing. The guy, again, we saw him basically four times, and three of those plays were really impressive. I really wish Next Gen would have taken down. I mean, because he didn't catch it, they didn't track his yards per or his, his speed. They may come down and, and say it because, obviously, they know it. They're just not going to put it on here because it wasn't actually a reception. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I think this guy was flashing all over the field. We just didn't see it. If, if he would have caught that pass, and I, I hate to keep saying that, but, but it just, that, that, that would have been one of just a couple things. I think he was, he was showing things all over the place. I'm thinking if you watch all 22, you're going to see a lot of Christian Watson. And again, we missed it. We saw a seven-yard run, and it was like, oh, sweet. We didn't see how special it was. So I'm excited about this guy. And, and again, remember, the Packers essentially took a guy from a small school who was out all training camp and basically made him the number one wide receiver. I mean, Sammy was probably that guy, but again, Christian Wendt ran more routes than Sammy Watkins did, as well as everybody else on this team. Top speed for the Minnesota Vikings, by the way, 19.6 miles an hour. And Justin, that was Justin Jefferson, and he had the ability to sprint all the way down the field. So they're tracking his top speed all the way down the field. Unfortunately, we are going to have some all 22 on this... Uh... NFL plus we'll see how that pans out but by tomorrow so that's that's the absolute first thing I'm going to do is watch every snap of Christian Watson and just see maybe out of the four plays that we saw three of them were special and that's it and every every other play he sucked but I'm going to say that that's unlikely and since nobody on Twitter wants to go back and find those plays for me I'm going to have to I just don't know when they happened (laughs) I know they were all kind of later actually you know what Uh, I don't need to be talking you through this the whole time I'm sorry I'm my mind is already focused on so many other things, and I'm still doing the podcast. I just, I just, a, a switch flipped in my mind, and I'm excited about the team. So let's, let's wrap it up this way. Let's, let's do a couple things here. There's two things I want to do. Number one, and again, I did this on Packernet After Dark because somebody called in and made a very good point. That should be obvious to all of us, but we always need to be reminded of it. Number one, the, there's three minutes left in the fourth quarter here, watching Tampa Bay and Dallas. Dallas Cowboys are one of the premier teams in the NFL. Maybe not one of the greatest, and I did say they're probably going to regress, but still, 19-3, to how are they feeling right now? 
LA Rams lost 31 to 10. The New Orleans Saints barely beat the Atlanta Falcons. The San Francisco 49ers, who made it to the NFC Championship game, lost to the Chicago Bears 19 to 10. The Cincinnati Bengals, one of the AFC powerhouses, lost 23 to 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mitch Trubisky. The Philadelphia Eagles nearly lost to the Detroit Lions 38 to 35. Baltimore Ravens, uh, they, they picked it up late. They were on the cusp of losing to the Jets, and they did not play very well. The Tennessee Titans lost to the New York Giants. Arizona lost to Kansas City 21-44. to The Raiders, with all their new look, this, that, we got Devontae, we got all these pieces now, they lost to the Chargers 24-19. to There's also teams that won, as I said, the Saints, that didn't look very good. The Bears won, they looked like garbage. The Vikings, I thought, looked fine in all three phases, but at the same time, you got to remember, this supposed powerhouse offense, and the Packers gifted them like 100 yards and a touchdown to Justin Jefferson. They still only put 23 points up. Indy tied Houston. Imagine having hopes and then tying one of the worst teams in football. Again, Baltimore won. They didn't look good. Miami only put up 20 points on New England. How many teams actually feel great? Uh, again, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying the Chiefs feel real good. Buffalo feels real good. Tampa probably feels good, but uh, 19 points? I mean, we'll see. Maybe they hang a couple more than the last three minutes, but it's not that impressive. What I saw watching a little bit of football, the, the Bears, the 49ers, Dallas, Philly, Green Bay, ugly. Ugly. I mean, the, the Packers missed two, or the, the Bears missed two extra points. I know, I know the weather was bad, but I'm just giving examples, and there, were, there was a lot of that. Blocked field goals. Teams winning games because of blocked field goals. I mean, stuff like, there's ugly stuff out there. So that's, that's number one. But let's look at a couple other things. Again, I am beyond excited about Christian Watson right now. I've, I have not been higher on him ever, including the, the second we drafted him. I'm, I'm so excited to see him at his peak. And, and, and I really believe he was potentially going to have a monster first game. But again, he dropped one. And then secondly, well, a couple things. Number, number two, I think Rodgers kind of stopped looking his direction. And number three, there was not enough time to launch the ball to Watson. Again, I think there were several opportunities for Watson, but by the time Rodgers' eyes got up, he had somebody in his face. I thought Dobbs looked real good. I'm excited about him. I actually am excited about the offense overall because what I'm excited about is spreading the ball all over, all over the place. And to see Watson, Dobbs, Watkins, Cobb, uh, Tunyon, DeGuara, and then the running backs get involved in a major way, we're doing it. We, we're just a little disjointed, but the ball, the, the ball is being dis- And there's so many different ways that they're getting these guys involved. Behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, we got deep threats like crazy. I think Dobbs is a real good, uh, just, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Devontae, but that style of receiver, that kind of does a little bit of everything. Just a solid route runner. Again, I don't know what Zach Tom did. All I know is the second he came in, there was a giant run right behind his back. He created a beautiful hole that we ran through. And we haven't even seen David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins back yet. Those are the two best offensive linemen. If Zach Tom is a hit out of the park, and, and again, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Maybe this is just a fluke thing and he's going right back to where he was. But now we've upgraded that position. We've upgraded left tackle. We've upgraded right tackle. Potentially upgraded right guard when Royce takes back over for Jake Hansen at right guard. We've, we've got maybe four positions out of five that are going to be upgraded pretty soon. Defensively, I thought Kenny was a freak. I thought he was all over the place. Again, we'll, we'll see, but I... I, you, you've heard me say he doesn't make that big of an impact. I saw 97 all over the place. 
Preston was everywhere. Uh, not as much from Rashawn as you want, but I saw him set the edge a few times, and I saw the pressures. Again, maybe not as much, maybe not as consistent as we were hoping for, but it was there. I think the bigger issue and the bigger complaint is how often they were rotated off the field. That had a lot of people really upset, is just not seeing our premier pass rushers out there and seeing our number three and four out there. Now, I told you that that's what the Packers do a lot. I'll have I'm, One of the first things I want to do is look at the numbers and see if they did it more often than they did last year or not. I don't know, but but they certainly were, were out there a lot, and that upset a lot of people. Jair, I don't know if a single pass got thrown. I, I know a pass got thrown to Jair, and it was incomplete to Justin Jefferson. I don't think he allowed a single pass. Now, they may blame him for that Justin Jefferson, that big play touchdown, but Jair clearly thought he was passing the ball off to Razul. Razul thought he was playing man coverage. That was a miscommunication. Uh, I didn't personally see it, but a lot of guys were watching and saying Rudy Ford looked fantastic on special teams. And by the way, special teams... I didn't see a single blunder, and that's all I could ever ask for. I thought the punts were on target, the, you know, nothing hit the dirt, the returns were nothing special, but I don't need special. So you wanted to see improved special teams, I think we saw it. Nobody's going to talk about it because we lost and there was nothing super special and we're just angry about other stuff, but hey, you asked for it, you got it. And if it stays that way, I think we should be happy about that. Beyond that, the running game. I know Minnesota struggles, but so do the Packers. They ranked like, what, 20th in yards per carry last year? To have all these backup offensive linemen come in and to gash the Minnesota Vikings the way we did, I'm upset we didn't stick with it, but that was some that was some tough running. Again, I don't think it was just a purely bad performance. I, I think it was a disjointed good performance in which they didn't stitch the good together well enough to put together drives and make it all work. That's the problem. But it's week one, and unfortunately the Vikings were closer to midseason form than the Packers. The Packers were not. They're not ready to play football. The Vikings were, and so we lost the game. But I'm excited about a lot of the stuff we have. And next week is a get-right game. Bears fans are all hyped up thinking they did something special because Trey Lance handed them a victory. But, um, I mean, literally everything about the Bears is worse than the Vikings. The pass rushers are not as good. The corners are not as good. The safeties are nowhere near as good. Linebackers might be a little better, I don't know. Offensive line is worse. Quarterback is infinitely worse. The wide receivers are infinitely worse. You're talking one of the best wide receiver groups compared to one of the worst. Dalvin is better than Montgomery. Irv Smith is better than Cole Komet. And so, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm excited and I'm ready for it. But we're going to have to endure some pain. Bears fans are going to be chirping. They're all excited. They love it. They, uh, they think this is a, a really big galvanizing win. And you know what? Good for them, to be honest. Everybody said they couldn't do it. Everybody said they were going to get smashed, myself included. Regardless of how it happened, they were told they couldn't do it and they did it. And it was in Chicago. It was in front of all their fans. It was in the elements. It was a tough-fought game. It was a comeback win. Good, f- good for them, and good for the Vikings. Congratulations. Unfortunately for you, it's a very long season, but congratulations. You, you did it. Unfortunately for you, you only get to, get to play Trey Lance once. <laughs> and that was... what was Somebody just posted this in the Discord here real quick. Uh, where was it? Clayton said it. Oh, he posted it in the Discord here. Seth Walder says... Trey Lance recorded a negative 21% completion percentage of expectation. So against expectation or whatever. The worst CPOE of week one thus far, but Dak Prescott is threatening that number. In other words, Trey Lance was the worst quarterback in football this week. And that's saying something. Did you know Joe Burrow threw four interceptions? And they're saying Trey Lance was worse. I mean, you know, depending on how you want to gauge it, I guess. But completion percentage against expected. But all we get to do is sit and wait and stew. So you get to handle that however you choose. But for me, I'm going to bed.
You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. We'll be able to look at some of the more details tomorrow. But um, have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.